Come, come. Playtime's over. Bye now or bye now. Okay, Mr. Sardo. I'll take uh, Sardo. No Mr. Accent on the dough. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Oh, joy! Let's rock! It makes me wanna fart! Dear Journal, it's me, Doug. Do you have it? Baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. On your mark, get set. Oh, here it goes! Welcome to Splat Attack, where we're taking it back to the slime-filled past. I'm your Gactastic co-host, Brett. I am your slime-tastic host, Alex. And Brett... Yes? I've, I don't see anything here on the screen, but when I put on this uh, Super Specs filter, I, I've got a couple of people who just show up. Do you have any idea who this is? Wait, I can't see them. Let me put on my super specs. Oh, there we go. (laughs) I see some shadowy figures, but I think they're turning out to be, uh, I think, Richard Dumas and DJ McHale. Am I seeing things right? (laughs) That's who I see. How are you guys? Cool. From another dimension. Wait, how, how did all you people get into my shop? What the what the hell? I got those glasses as a birthday present. <laughs> oh, I just I just realized, uh, Brett, you've got like a, a vignette filter. That's like the yes. sex yeah. filter. Yes, I, yeah. I just thought episode. you were trying to do a beauty shot, and I realized, oh, that's pretty good. That's a that's a screenshot from the Super Specs episode, isn't it? Correct. I, I oh, oh the background. it literally is a. <laughs> I, I wanted to be in character for the episode. <laughs> Very, yeah, very so um, we're all here today to celebrate uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark yet again, in case you uh, haven't checked out episode seven, the Are You Afraid of the Dark 30th anniversary reunion. A massive episode. Yeah, this is, this is like a little uh, dessert to that one, <laughs> where we're going back to Sardo's Magic Mansion with a special retrospective of all eight episodes uh, that Sardo was in. Um, so That's for anyone- Sardo. No, yeah. has no Mr. Accent on the toe. What's it? Say it the way it's spelt. <laughs> Sorry, Sardo. <laughs> oh, uh, how could you. I forget my manners? <laughs> um, for all of you who do or do not know uh, that are fans of Are You Afraid of the Dark, Sardo is a lovable recurring character from the show, featured primarily in either Gary or Tucker tales. He's known for his jovial yet shysty nature to sell strange enchanted objects to kids at a discount and then aid them in solving their problems throughout each scenario. Today, Alex and I, along with our guests, uh, will come together to talk about all of the appearances that he made throughout Are You Afraid of the Dark and what it was like for the actor to perform the critically acclaimed role in each of the Sardo-focused stories. So we're just gonna jump right into things and roll through them one at a time with uh, Super Specs. The tale of the Super Specs was from season one, episode six. And the basic summary of that is, Mary Beth and Weeds are young high school couple who purchase a few items from Sardo's Magic Mansion in order to pull off the best April Fool's Day pranks ever this year. Mary Beth happens to pick up a pair of the novelty glasses with kaleidoscope lenses while Weeds is messing around. However, little did they know that the spell Weeds jokingly cast uh, in the store using the dusted dendron would curse the super specs glasses on display causing the wearer to see shadowy apparitions of humanoid figures emerging through our dimension. The worst part, 
No matter how hard Mary Beth tries to ditch the glasses, she is repeatedly drawn to them as the dark figures draw ever closer in greater numbers in the dimension we call reality. By enlisting Sardo to enact a seance and close the cosmic seal between worlds, the group finds out what happens when you mess with dark magic. Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> Uh, wow, Sardo... I'd, I'd watch that episode. I'd, I'd watch that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of my favorites, not going to lie. Um, yeah. The the main thing that Sardo covers in this episode, which is his premiere episode, by the way, yeah. uh, he sells novelty items to weeds, uh, including the super specs. I believe there's also like a whoopee cushion and the dusted mm -hmm. Deneron uh, mm -hmm. monkey bone powder. Uh, he informs the kids about, you know, what the capabilities are of the magic. And Weeds just kind of sprinkles it on everything to see what kinds of things it could do, which is uh, pretty wild to see. Like, um, I remember him putting some of the dust in like a girl's yogurt. And then when she took a bite of it after he left, she like got like a voice like a chick chipmunk and started talking all high and squeaky. And then I remember another instance where he put the dust on a basketball to like win a game of horse with his friend uh, out on the courts. And, uh, you know, he just kind of tossed it behind his back and it, he landed like a perfect three-pointer swish, which was pretty impressive. What you know, he didn't just, see was on the label, it said, this dust also has perfect comedic timing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is an added side effect. Because um, it never worked at first. <laughs> and then once he gave up, boom, it worked magically. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he kept messing around with it. And then um, it seems like, you know, when Mary Beth wore the glasses more and more, you would see more figures. Uh, at first, there was just one figure in the magic shop that she thought she saw, but quickly disappeared. And then um, she saw like this weird, like sorceress lady who was holding a book in, in school, which she th thought was, you know, pretty, pretty odd and a little unnerving. And then like uh, when she got to her house and then wore the super spec, it's like almost more and more were ganging up and catching on to her, putting on the glasses and they're kind of cornering her in her house. Uh, along with the sorceress uh, from another dimension until, you know, at, at the final climax of the episode, uh, when they have the seance, Sardo, Mary, Beats, Mary Beth, and Weeds, um, you know, there's just a whole, whole army of them right behind them. And they have to like somehow, you know, get them away from them before they overtake uh, the kids and Sardo. And then, you know, lo and behold. And scene. <laughs> lo and behold um they didn't actually seal the cosmic seal apparently because uh this was one of the very few downer endings um in are you afraid of the darks uh series run where they get trapped in the crystal ball uh, of the sources from another dimension and we find out that the the two main protagonists that are with her are like doppelgangers of them they're like slightly uh they're wearing slightly different clothes slightly different hair slightly different appearance and uh you know it's a real real interesting twist because yeah. we thought sardo could uh you know get those kids out of a jam but when you're you're combating like dark magic of that magnitude it's it's kind of hard to overpower <laughs> mm -hmm. and just another example of are you afraid of the dark being so ahead of its time now they're like doing that with spider-man yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> the multiverse thing is so yeah. done <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did some super specs in 1992. Come on, we did it first. <laughs> you got the ball rolling. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the society verse. That's the uh, the seance was such a. Um, 
an interest it was such an experience it was it was very interesting now this is like really before they were using you know cgi and all the rest i mean they had you know mm-hmm. uh people off camera moving that platform and shaking it so we had i mean all that you see uh was happening right there on the uh, on the stage in the uh, in the film set uh it was quite something it really yeah. was it was on huge springs basically it gave the illusion that they were floating through a dark void it really um, did yeah it, it was quite something and I guess you know DJ will can certainly correct me if I'm wrong, but as you were as you just said, uh, Weeds and, uh, and and the girl uh, and Sarda were are you know encased in that uh, that crystal ball, and they 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 go away, they whip away. So it kind of leads you to believe then, once you become a fan and see subsequent episodes with Sardo in it, that everything that happened after that where sardo appears in 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 other episodes really happened before Before. that seance because they're gone they're gone yeah i was actually wondering about the chronology of all these sardo episodes i was looking back at because it makes (laughs) you wonder if they were like in order but you know we won't go that deep because i know that would drive some people nuts trying to figure it out that, imp- that implies there was some intent there. The- <laughs> <laughs> you know, whenever uh, when, when someone asks a question about something that I wrote, I, I actually happen to have written Super Spec. Um, there are usually two answers that you can give. Um, and the answer that people really want is the within the mythology of the story answer. Mm-hmm. So like, and you're talking about it right now. It's like, oh, do these things happen? Or are they actually trapped or as the rest of the Sardo stories in, in another dimension? Now, what is that kind of stuff? That's the, that's really the answer you want. There's some people that want the real answer, which is the practical answer, which is when I wrote that episode, I never thought in a million years we'd even get a second season of the show, right. let alone bringing back Sardo. So I never <laughs> thought that far. So I just kind of said, eh, and somehow he came back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was gonna be that was gonna be my question was when you created the character of Sardo, did you have any intention of bringing him back at some point, or was it just a this would be a fun character and then see where it goes? Uh, it, it was the first half it was like this would be a fun character. That was it. And then uh, Richard did such a brilliant job, and oh, we got a second season. It, it's just the concept of a guy running a thing like the magic mansion lends itself to other stories. So, mm-hmm. so that's right. It was just a perfect storm. It's like, Oh God, and Richard was amenable to coming back. So that's why it happened. But it was, the plan was not to say, Ooh, this is a character that we can use in the future. It was more of Richard's brilliance. The, the, yeah. Yeah. That's brought, it. Brought him <laughs> <on to it>. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I say something? I, I just, you know, obviously I haven't seen a lot of these episodes in a long time. So yesterday in preparation for this, so, um, I watched all the Sardo scenes and uh, a number of things jumped out of me. And one was, I, I was, I laughed a lot. Yes. <laughs> I really yes. laughed a lot. Richard brought, uh, he nailed everything. The new, and and it, it actually brought me back in time. And this has only happened to me a handful of times in writing. And it's it's a wonderful thing to to deal with, mm-hmm. not to deal with, to have. And that is, I, I only wrote two Sardo episodes from, from the top, Super Specs and Carter's Treasure. Uh, you know, I'm the showrunner, so, so you know, I <laughs> worked on all the episodes. And in particular with the Sardo episodes, 
it was, I knew Sardo way better than any of the other writers who wrote Dark Dragon or Oblivion or anything like that. So I would end up like, let me work on that. So I would do the Sardo scene. And uh, it, it, it was such a joy. And it all came back as I was watching those things. As I was writing these things in Los Angeles in a vacuum, it was like I was channeling Richard in Montreal because I'd write something, I think, oh, I know how he's going to read this. <laughs> and, and I only directed Sardo twice. I directed uh, Cutter's Treasure and directed Dark Dragon. And uh, so the other ones were other directors. So I didn't see, I was on the set. I didn't see it until I got the rough cut back of the show. And I'd be like, yep, yep, <laughs> he, he got it. <laughs> he nailed it. He did it. And, and push it further than what I thought. So it was just a wonderful thing and, and the other thing that jumped out at me and this this just didn't strike me until yesterday and i honest to god this was not intentional so you never know where inspiration comes from and and uh it, it, oftentimes i'll come up with something think it's like totally out of whole cloth i've made this up completely and no one has ever seen this before and then i'll see like a movie that i saw when i was four i'm like don't <laughs> <All the memories. laughs> Maybe that's right. Somewhere in the back, that's where it came from. As I'm watching these Sardo scenes, I'm like, oh my God, he's the Wizard of Oz. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And particularly that. the scene in the, the, the MGM, Judy Garland, that yes. scene where he's, he's giving out the heart and the brains and the thing. And, and he'll say things like, uh, where I come from, there's, uh, <laughs> there are people who do good deeds and they're yeah. called. Never. Good doers. <laughs> oh my God, that's Sardo could have said that. <laughs> oh my yes, God. you you want a spell for what was it? The ad said. You're right. What was it? <laughs> oh dear. I came for the potion. Yeah, the potion, the potion, the potion. <laughs> what potion? The potion that brings out the best in people. Oh, the potion, yes, oh, that potion, of course. <laughs> Silly me. <laughs> it's, it's right over here. Uh, what else does it do? Uh, the ad said it could make me more confident. It could make me more powerful. Right! Got it. Oh, the potion. Oh, why didn't you say so? It's my number one bestseller. <laughs> Anyway, continue, Brett. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I, I've just got to, before I was going to ask you, uh, like your memories of it, we seem to jump headfirst into it. I just noticed a few things that stood out to me uh, in this episode, uh, aside from the plot that I just uh, recounted. I, kn I know the lines in particular, take the children and have you seen our vomit always stuck with me from the moment I first saw that episode as a kid. Um, is it true that those were ad-libbed or were those written in? Were they? I think they were ad-libbed. Yeah, I have to. I have to say, um, you know, DJ and and Ron Oliver, uh, the director, uh, allowed me to, uh, to to have. A, I had a little wiggle room, and yes, those were two lines that uh, that we came up. Take the children and have you the the vomit line. Yes, have you seen our vomit yet? I think it was another one. That, uh, she comes to the door. I think I I I'll come back tomorrow. I've got no more vomit. <laughs> right, <but> that, <laughs> I think it's that. Well, then, well, then it became a recurring thing. So yeah, yes, yeah. great. Yeah. I love how it really fleshes out Sardo's personality with like the quirkiness of it. And I think that's why it uh, stuck with me all these years. Well, I would... it, it take the children. Jeez, that's brilliant. Oh my God. That's... Save myself. Think... Never mind these kids that I got into trouble with all this 
magic I, voodoo. I, I don't think other than true villains in Are You Afraid of the Dark? I don't think there was any more callous line. Yes. Sardo can kind of get away with it. Eh? He can kind of get away with it, right? Yeah. I, I had uh, much like you, DJ. I, I had rewatched the episodes in, in preparation for this uh, episode, and as I always do, it's just on the living room, and my kids are around. My wife is around. It's Nickelodeon. It's something I can keep on. And my wife never watched Are You Afraid of the Dark when she, when she was too scared of it or and so, cable that was yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh then she watched this episode the other night and she cackled it's still <laughs> hilarious to <laughs> anyone who hasn't seen the show oh my maybe we didn't do it after all what is it <laughs> take the children it's still it's still classic <laughs> that's great <laughs> that's richard <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, I did have a question uh, for because DJ had wrote it. I I can't be the only one who's asked or put some kind of a, a, an analogy together. Was they live at all an inspiration mm. for this episode? No, no, not really. It. I mean, the jumping off point was uh, I used to get Boys Life magazine and. And in the back, they always had the page of novelties that you could yes. buy. And, yes. and the, the X, X-ray specs. Yes. You know, look through your hand. It looks like it's... A, yeah. So I thought, what, what if you got one of those things and it actually really did do stuff? <laughs> so that was, that was really it. And, and I think, as Richard mentioned it with, with the, uh, um, the platform and the, the seance and the thing going around. It, one of the things about doing shows like this, and I always say that we don't have enough money to fake things. So we have to do it for real. Yeah. So, you know, we couldn't CG a floating thing. So we had to put it on a spring <laughs> and, and move it. And it's just as effective. It's very oh, yeah. simple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. even the even the, the 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 specters, I mean, I look at it, I'm like, I mean, there's basically people just wearing black and with a hood on. It was nothing. But then you hear people talk about it like, they freak me out. I'm like, that's good because there are just some people. With <laughs> yeah. I think honestly, it's just due to the high contrast of the the black figure with like normal everyday lighting of like a setting that really mm-hmm. makes you feel tense and afraid. I know when I watched the episode as a kid, that's what really got to me is like the the weird colory uh, mm-hmm. rim that you see behind me now, and you know yeah. just seeing an all black figure. Like, wait a minute, it's daytime. Where? Why can't I see them? You know, just something about the element of the unknown really really hits you at your core when it comes to fear. Yeah, just the Wait, concept of something being there and you can't see it is also terrifying. Well, it's kind of like with comedy too. You tend to forget that when you think of something, when you come up with something, you get used to it and it doesn't mean it. Like, like writing a joke. Uh, I once heard Woody Allen once say, it's one of the big challenges he has back when his movies were funny, um, <laughs> is that to remember once he's heard a joke 8,000 times mm. to remember how funny it was when he first thought of it because it's not funny anymore mm-hmm. and so he'd be often inclined to say oh let's just cut that like no don't cut that so right. with something like the the, the specters and in super specs you make the show and you think oh my god these are guys with a little hood over their head this is kind of cheesy looking but but to a kid who is in the reality of it it's like oh my god there's somebody there that we can't see you, that's you it discounted a little bit yeah. 
and slightly out of focus, slightly out of focus. That that, that shot, do you remember? I'm I'm just thinking about it now. There's that shot where we saw her eyes. Remember, it was all black. Yeah, just the eyes. Her eyeballs. Yeah, I thought that was very effective. That's right. That's right. That freaked me out, too. It also makes me think of the Billy Idol song, Eyes Without a Face. (laughs) (laughs) But 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 I I think that 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 episode was um, really uh, important aside from the, the super spec story itself, but that was, that was where the character of Sardo was set, um, you know, s- starting with the casting of Richard. You know I mean, he's, you know, I, I've, I've written a million things and it often happens where you do auditions and, um, and it doesn't go well. And, and you, and you start questioning yourself, you know, it's like, Oh boy, this is a bad character. This is, uh, this is, I mean, you start thinking, do I change it? Do I, do I cut that joke or whatever? And then Richard came in until he got that who came in and just bingo. And I was like, there it is. There he goes. <laughs> Done. I was very lucky. I was very, very lucky to get that role. Very. And of course, I never thought it would go as wrong as saying. I'm sorry, as DJ was saying, forgive me. As DJ was saying, I mean, the character, as far as I know, wasn't never meant to come back. But so I thought, okay, it's my one shot and it's great. And I just had a wonderful time on it. I can die a happy man. I had a fabulous time. Great crew. The cast was excellent. I, I loved it. I truly mean that. I love being on that set and to be invited back. Uh, it was just heaven, heaven. Who th- I never thought 30 years later I'd be talking about. It. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, it was a really good example of, of um, here I'm getting to macro Sardo as opposed to the episode, but um, we'll get back to the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it really is a good example of the, the, the way a character is created. And, and it's really a lot of people's input does that i mean certainly the the actor is the a number one but you know it starts in the page where i don't remember what i thought sardo was supposed to look like or act i mean i kind of vague notion and then it goes to okay who do we get cast it and that puts a spin on it and then it goes to wardrobe to say oh we're going to make him look like some kind of gypsy fortune telling phony baloney snake oil salesman okay then so it's the wardrobe people to put that together and then it's the director working with richard ron oliver in this case working with richard to really hone it and put it together and then and then i'll say the, the final piece in the puzzle was uh the composer jeff fisher who always, who wrote sardo's theme song and there was always that kind of bouncy, weird kind of song that you'd always hear subliminally when he was on. So all those things work together to really make this really amazing character that, that, that we're talking about 30 years later. Well, yeah. well technically 29 years later, because you... Close enough. 30 years <laughs> the first episode. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or not 29, 24 years later. Um, so yeah, anyway, continue. What, what other episodes do we have, Brent? Uh, we're going to roll right into Dark Dragon from season two, uh, I believe episode six. And my summary of that is uh, Keith Saunders' confidence takes a nosedive after surviving a car accident, leaving him constricted by an unsightly walking brace. His feelings make him feel especially insecure when fellow high schoolers are asking each other out to the date, I mean, to the dance. Um, with nowhere else to turn and his desperation reaching a tipping point, Keith visits Sardo's magic mansion for a popularity potion to bring out the best in him so he can land a day and not be the only one left out. With a few, few drops of potion, Keith began to see a whole other side of himself, the charismatic KC. Unfortunately, his dark side came to light as well. And in order to tame his inner demon for good, 
He must reconnect with his true self to be free from this burden, thanks to the help of an unlikely ally. Um, the main uh, roles in this episode uh, of Sardo involved him giving him a popularity potion and telling him how it worked. You know, just use one drop of it because it's very potent and it'll bring out the best to him because, you know, his confidence wasn't doing so great. And then Keith then returns to Sardo's magic mansion to get some help because I, I think he either used too much of it um, and he started like experiencing the side effects where his ears were getting like all strange looking and he started getting like some weird disfiguration in his face and his hair was growing out longer. And I remember Sardo like playing with his hair with like a magnifying glass to see, try and figure out what was going on. And um, unfortunately we didn't really see too much Sardo in this episode. I think those are really only the main scenes uh, aside from the little moment where uh, Sardo's pet rabbit got turned into like essentially a gremlin uh, with one drop of uh, the popularity. No, is it popularity potion? Yeah. Um, it turns you into your best self. Yeah. And apparently it turns the, the little magic white rabbit into a gremlin. And I really love the moment when uh, Sardo just shouts, Harold! <laughs> <laughs> and, and yes. we just see the, the shock and dismay of this this creature that just lunges forth uh, at the cage like it's everyone's pressed against the off. cage exactly exactly, exactly. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I did note a few other other uh, tidbits about this episode relating to the Magic Mansion uh, such that there's like actually a little super specs Easter egg on the counter mm -hmm. if you look yeah. closely next yeah. to the Green Dragon statue. Um, this is the only time a kid mistakes Sardo's name as Mr. Sourdough, which I thought was a, a really bad blunder, but still fun to mess around with uh, his name. Is there a Mr. Sourdough here? And then um, I, I did note that how much the popularity potion was, because I, I find it interesting that Sardo first offered it for $40, and then within like two seconds, he lowers it to 35 and then he corners Keith just before he exits the shop. And he's like, how much you got? Yeah. Uh, 20 dollars, done. I'll ring you a receipt. <laughs> how much does it cost? Well, it's very difficult to put a value on just what this will do for you. But if I were pressed, I'd say $40? $40. All right, 35, but I'm losing on the deal. Thanks just the same. How much you got? Twenty dollars. Done. I'll get your receipt. And uh, you it's know, so that's, childish. That's it. It's just yeah. the point. Tick, 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 tick. Like <laughs> like you're playing with Monopoly money. It's so yeah. <laughs> it's so delicious. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Fun little moments like that really add to his character. Sardo was just reeling him in, just <laughs> that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, oh gosh, that rabbit was interesting. I, I think in that one, honestly, um, it seemed to me anyway that Sardo was there for, uh, well, as he usually is, I guess, for the comic relief. But it was a dark episode, don't you think, DJ? Mm -hmm. it was it was? Yeah, I was going to say that was it was a unique one for Sardo to be in because mm -hmm. Sardo's usually there for comic relief and it'd be kind of <laughs> the thing. But it was a really intense, dark, serious episode. So to find that, if you notice, if I hadn't watched it yesterday, I probably wouldn't have been able to say this, but um, I actually, I directed that episode. And the the lighting in that episode, in the Sardo scenes, was much different 
that normally it's very high key and very uh, colorful in the Magic Mansion. This was very shadowy and and uh, with lights and deep shadows and whatnot. So it really, as much as Sardo was still being Sardo and doing his funny things with the money, all that kind of stuff, um, it, it didn't it didn't feel like two different episodes because his right. story was really kind of heart wrenching. The guy's crippled and he's horrible. Yeah. I, and I should also say, going back to a uh, uh, global are afraid of the dark thing is when when Nickelodeon asked me to say they're so afraid the parents are going to uh, complain that we're killing, they're uh, scaring their kids. They said try to use literary antecedents uh, to base stories on, and that episode was Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I can see the themes there. I was I was just going to comment on that's a nice touch of having Jekyll and Hyde the child putting away the book on the bookshelf. It's yeah, like, it's oh, a, yeah, you know what you're getting into before the story even begins. Yeah. Yeah, so so it, it was an it, it, uh, odd story for Sardo to be in because most of the Sardo stories are heightened, fun, uh, adventurous kind of things. Uh, this was a little, little darker, but but Richard had that right tone of not I going also, off the top of it. I also think that actually uh, is reflected of the Midnight Society segment too, because this was like um, one of the only situations where Gary or Tucker didn't tell a Sardo tale. It was actually David mm. who borrowed the character for Gary's birthday as like a surprise mm. for him. And since he's kind of a more sensitive, uh, darker nature to his stories, I felt like that lended it uh, itself to the tone of the story and, and the use of Sardo versus like Super Specs or like Hearthstone, for example, where it's more, you know, light and comical. Yeah, because, you know, Gary tells the Sardo stories and <clears throat> Gary always tells magical stories, fun stories. <laughs> David always told the kind of more heartfelt stories. So it's like, hmm, I, so this didn't feel like a Gary story. So that's why yeah. I'm borrowing the story. Yeah. yeah, it seems to line up there. But um, that's pretty much it for that tale. There, there wasn't much uh, Sardo screen time there, but you know, still a few things worth talking about. Is there um, ever enough Sardo screen time? Is never, there- never. We need more. we'll get into we'll get into this as you talk about later episodes. But certainly in some of the later episodes, where Sardo gets out of the Magic Mansion and he starts taking part in the stories that's when it's oh, really, yeah. that's when you, things really took off that was that's where that. it gets fun and i feel like super specs was the testing ground for that because he did technically go to uh, mary beth's house to do the séance but no mm-hmm. parents were present in some later tales that we're going to talk about he actually did interact with the parents of the main protagonist which i thought was just as great um, with his like magic shop interactions as well like on par mm-hmm. Uh, but moving right along into season three, episode seven, we have the tale of the carved stone. And in this one, Allison is a new kid in town who has trouble making friends. In order to give her life a social makeover, she buys an ancient Egyptian friendship stone, which actually presents to her a new friend in an unlikely place and time. Due to the alluring, mysterious nature of the stone, a dark monk by the name of Brother Septimus pursues Allison and even threatens Sardo to get the time-shifting stone back into his possession. Thankfully, with their combined efforts, Allison, Tom, and Sardo uh, thwart the evil monk, trapping him in an unknown dimension of time and all is well in present day. Uh, some things that I noted in this episode other than the, the late great Frank Gorshin being the guest star as the villain, uh, we did see um, uh, Sardo sell the ancient Egyptian friendship stone, which is like this little black stone with like a carved 
like zigzag on it with like a eye of horse kind of design on the top. Um, he, he warns her about the nature of the stone. We actually hear about uh, this other character that's tied to Sardo that we hear about in another Sardo tale actually called Uncle Bobo uh, as like his unofficial competition, like Uncle Bobo, that hack, he doesn't <laughs> sell these things like I do, you know, to that degree, which is fun little uh, character development there. And then- I think at one point he said, Uncle Bobo, that clown? That clown? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, like he doesn't sell things to kids as well as you do, Sardo. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and and also we see uh, another instance where like Sardo comes to the kids' home, interacts with all the other characters, and even the villain. So he he gets around a lot in this episode. He doesn't. Yeah. He's not just confined to the to the store. Um, true. True. Yeah. One of the things that that Richard did so well in that in that episode was and it's in he did it in a lot of the episodes and and it's so sardo is that as he's trying to sell the whatever the thing is to the kid in this case the carved stone he's just making it up as he's going along yes and, and richard's so good this is an ancient <laughs> yes exactly yes right. just say the magic the kids spell. are so stupid <laughs> it's just like yes. very gullible I just bought this for, I mean, um, I've searched the world over for the curios contained in this chest. Observe. Uh, be something. I mean, um, where is that potion? Ah! That's not a potion. No, no, of course not. It's much better than a potion. It's a... Uh, it's an Egyptian friendship stone. Let me see. How does it work? It's quite simple. Um, you just uh, hold it in your hand, close your eyes, and s recite the ancient Egyptian spell. Amrak. Vichulin. Ra. Like even yeah. even the words sound made up. Like it was Amulak Vichulin Ra. And yeah. then even yeah. even the girl Allison messes it up like Spa. No, that's not right. Varata. <laughs> Where are my friends at? <laughs> exactly. And oh, I no. love the fact that uh, all she wanted was just those goggle eyes, and he was nice. all sort of was all excited about selling something. And oh, you just want that? No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, I, I, yeah, didn't you still try to sell the vomit though? It's just like really. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Yes. It gets it gets super excited. <laughs> you want the vomit? You sure there's nothing else? Have you seen our vomit? <laughs> Oh, that was a, a wonderful episode insofar as uh, we just mentioned the late, great uh, Frank Gorshin. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. No idea that he was going to be in that episode. I had no idea at all until we showed up for the read. And there he was, Frank Gorshin, the Riddler? <laughs> you know, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And he was so nice. He was unbelievably nice. And it was just a real pleasure to work with him. I think maybe I told DJ this subsequent to that. 
he's the first person I know that he had, he had what used to be, what, you know, we used to have uh, like transistor radios, you know, with an antenna, yes. walkie talkies we'd use when we were kids. He had one of those and it was to watch his stocks, to watch the stock market. And he was between takes. He was constantly looking at this and literally, oh, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. Oh, I'm down, I'm down, I'm down. I'm down. Oh, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. That's what he was doing between takes, watching his stocks. And uh, we were so close to the mountain at one point. I think we were doing some interiors. We were uh, close to the mountain. It was really throwing it off because, you know, the big antennas are on the mountain there. It was really throwing it off. And he was a little, uh, little upset about that. But such a nice man. What great comic timing. Uh, there was a couple of fluffs that we had. I'm saying this because uh, Dick Clark used to have a, a show. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, what was it called? It was bloopers and oh, yes, remember, you remember that Dick Clark, uh, Dick Clark company? They got a hold of me to see if they could use this blooper that Frank Gorsha and I did on the show. And um, in the filming of Are You Afraid of the Dark, they wanted to use it for the show. But uh, it was Frank Gorshin going into Rodney Dangerfield like that? He was oh, no. Lancaster. I remember telling him a story about uh, watching him back in the day uh, on Ed Sullivan, Frank Gorshin, because he was a great impressionist, as I'm sure you know. And he did a, uh, a Burt Lancaster, who I had the pleasure of working with years later. He, I started doing his bit. I started doing, oh, I remember that. You, he was doing Birdman of Alcatraz. Well, want to see my bird? Yeah, and he goes, wow, you're doing my act. I haven't done that act in years. <laughs> oh, he was just a pleasure to work with, a pleasure to work with. He really, really was. It was fun seeing the, the two of you together because these are two very heightened characters. Yes. I mean, there's no subtlety with Sardo or, or <laughs> two ham bones. Two ham bones. <laughs> and, and 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 Frank was chewing the scenery. <laughs> and so actually, you, you were the more kind of in the scenes you had together. You were the more subdued. I'm like, wow, that's that's something. He's, yes. <laughs> you're the you're the alpha. You're the alpha. <laughs> I mean, he kind of proved that when. He held Sardo up by his hand. He's like, I'll feed you yeah. to the, the plague rats of the abyss <laughs> if you don't get that stone back. Why do you retrieve the amulet? I shall slice open your miserable carcass and serve it to the plague rats of the abyss. He's like, wow, um, okay. Well, he I got to you haven't seen these in so long. And so I watched oh. these yesterday. And after that, I, you know, I'm forgetting about these scenes and, I'm, and it's coming back to me as I'm watching it. I'm like, oh my God, that's right. Oh my God. But then when he, when he, when he drops you down and he walks away and you just almost got killed. So you just go, how? <laughs> the perfect reaction. <laughs> it was so good. Ouch. <laughs> I've got to go back and watch these. I, you clearly, really do. I'm so impressed with yourself. It's all the little isms that you put in there. That, that oh. Yeah. I, I really think this is an episode where, where Sardo was really like getting into his own character, like really exploring and expanding as much as he could in terms of like, you know, his, his happiness, his comic nature, and some of the silly lines that he says. So uh, it's definitely a great Sardo episode to revisit. And it, it may not have necessarily been one that I gave much consideration growing up because I didn't see it on TV much at the time, but it's, it's got a strange effect on me where the more I've watched it, the more I enjoy it. It's like I'm constantly peeling onion layers back to reveal something new about like the characters or the story or the heartwarming sentimentality of friendship at the end. It's just a wonderful all around episode. And I, 
I got to commend uh, Susan Kim for writing it too, because she did mention that for our reunion episode back in, yeah. you know, episode seven. Well, this is the, both that episode. Um, yeah, there are three: Carbstone, Dark Dragon, and Door Unlocked. I mean, we all see these Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, uh, groups and, and whatnot. And it seems like it's the same 20 episodes that everyone talks about. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and that's okay. I mean, it's better that they're talking about some episodes. That's okay. But there are so many great episodes mm-hmm. that, that don't get the love. And and Carb Stone is, is one of them. It's totally. just like, well, there's, you know, I'm forgetting about it, but as I'm watching, I'm like, damn this is actually really good what how come and that that happens with a lot of fandom uh pick pick a show movies franchise anything that's got some tenure to it you'll have those fans who absolutely love those few entries uh in, in the grand scale of how many entries there are these are my favorites but there are so many others that are mm-hmm. deserving of of more attention and yeah. in any franchise but are you afraid of the dark definitely has got a lot of really really good episodes and as you said this is definitely one of them yeah. if anything just because it's got sardo and the riddler together and the riddler is more terrifying than ever yeah, that was, that's one of the main reasons for me for that episode, just to have the the honor to work with that man, um, mm-hmm. really. Uh, and I, as I recall, and I'm really am going to go back and, and look at it now. There was a lot of comedy, DJ, at the beginning of that, especially when that girl when she first came to the shop. It seemed there was a lot of comedy between us. Mm-hmm. I thought it was quite. I, I remember it being quite funny. I remember that there was physical stuff. So she's knocking stuff over, and, and you yes, were in the back and you, that's right, the, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes. I remember, I think, wasn't I talking to him? We don't see, you don't see us from behind a, a curtain or something. She does a customer or something like that. I was maybe on the phone at one point. He's yeah. he's talking in your voice. Okay, that's it. That's right. He was imitating. Ron did this thing. He had this lens that had like, it was like dual focus lens or something. So you're in the background and he's got his hand, Frank's got his hand on your mouth, but in the foreground is close up on his, oh, so both his focus. Yes, yes, yes. And he's yes. talking and it's you and you, it's your voice. So that was, it, it's, it's, it's a good show. show. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's really cool show. Show. Well, they, they should bring that back. <laughs> they should bring that show back. <laughs> they should. <laughs> I'm actually curious, uh, before we move on to our next tale, which DJ you'll know a lot about, um, is how, how did you do the special effect where like Sardo got pulled into the mirror as the carved stone touched it. And then Frank Gorshin came out right after that always mystified I, me as a kid. I love watching these. I, I love watching Richard go. Oh yeah. It's so, <laughs> it's so fun. Oh, and it's true. Remember going up to the mirror. I, I remember that. And as I went up to it, I got sucked in. I remember that it was really quite cool. Again, with that, you know, CGI or as primitive as it was. It, it, well that primitive is the right word i mean nowadays you can do it with your phone probably yeah. um but but there were two guys um special effects guys who were uh they would be up all night essentially writing code trying to create things that seem so simple and nowadays they are so simple but but they had oh my god and then they had to rendering time I and mean, this is they're basically using you know flint and steel to make these things <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it was all it was CG. I assume, which I wasn't on the side. I assume you walk through an empty uh, uh, frame and and 
he came out of the frame and then they added shorts in the middle to it. Correct. Correct. Like it was superimposed with green screen or something to that extent. I, I don't think, think it was green even that. that. No. I, I like but it was, it was very, I remember seeing it. It was, I thought, very impressive. Very yeah. impressive. Yeah. yeah. For the time. Especially of the era. It's like, wow, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the challenges we had in the show is that, and yeah, I always said that we don't, you know, we're a limited budget. It's like you always want to strive for something good and, and go beyond, but you don't want to strive so far that it looks cheesy. Yeah. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to go so far and fail because then you've, you've you've undone everything. So right. we've always tried to go just push a little bit more, a little bit more. There are a handful of times where I look at it, I'm like, oh, why did we? That's not, that didn't work so well. But but most of the time, it's, it's yeah. been. It can't be many. That can't. It can't be many times because it works so well. So much. Oh, I, can, so I, can, well. I can. I can. I can. <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> None of the sideboard no episodes. Those are all. Yeah. <laughs> No, well, we jump out of uh, a mirror in time and we head to uh, a pirate village with Cutter's Treasure, the, the first and only two-parter of the series. And I remember that having a really big uh, budget look feel to it, like kind of movie quality. Uh, but before we go a little more detail about that, here's my summary about it. Uh, so Russ Keegan is excited to spend his weekend without his parents and also away from his younger brother, Max, to keep Max at bay during his date. Rush heads to Sardo's Magic Mansion to buy him a magic kit. However, in an unexpected twist of fate, Rush has a sword in the stone kind of moment by opening the airtight treasure test, thus earning him the spoils inside, an enchanted spyglass, a dagger, and a key, items that are actually connected to his ancestor, Ian Keegan. Now with Captain Jonas Cutter back from the dead, thanks to the release of such relics, Rush must find a way to reclaim his brother with the help of Sardo and Dr. Vink, that is if he wants to emerge from Cutter's Perilous Crypt alive. So some of the main things that I mentioned uh, that I took note of when I saw this two-parter of the episode, um, that uh, Sardo essentially guides Rush to the chest containing the items when he goes there to buy the magic kit uh, to try and get him to open it so that he can get $5,000 rewards. Yeah. That's uh, disguised as 5,000 dolls because Sardo is apparently a collector of them, which I thought was a hilarious little nod um he also why? tries to why <laughs> i don't know what kind of dolls does sardo like uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> there's there's various varieties it could be like uh china dolls action figures <laughs> yeah anything to the imagination but um uh sardo also did try to sell rush uh a passion potion that ends up exploding in fizz in a little cauldron that he like uh sprinkled some in which uh, reminded me a bit of uh, the popularity potion from Dark Dragon. And then uh, we see, we see uh, Sardo send Rush to Dr. Vink uh, when he can't help him anymore for like most of part two. And then we see Sardo uh, finally unite up with Dr. Vink at the end of the tale after Rush and Max are rewarded with a little bit of treasure from the crypt. And then there's like the, the, the possibility that they could somehow team up in the future for you know, certain adventures. Um, yeah. Any, any thoughts that come to mind when thinking about Cutter's treasure? Good, I, bad. That, that was actually, I actually did a post about this the other day, because I don't know what prompted me to, someone did a post about it and it prompted me to watch some of it. And, uh, that actually was, was designed as a one hour episode. It wasn't designed as two half hours. Right. They, they split uh, it up. Because it was supposed to go to, um, uh, direct to home video. Mm -hmm. So we actually shot it on 35 millimeter, which is something we didn't do for the rest of the series. 
frankly, it didn't look any better than the rest of it. It was kind of a waste of money. But but <laughs> but it was fun. It was funny having a Panavision camera on set for a change. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that when we in a when we went from but Nickelodeon also wanted they, when they first aired it, they aired it as an hour. Um, subsequent to that, they never aired it as an hour ever again. And the whole video was an hour. They uh, they said, can you also deliver two half hour episodes? Um, so which is why everyone says, oh, there's it was a two parter, and it was. But um, the the two parter is very different from the from the hour because when you think about it, um, you, you're you're locked in on running time on both of these things. So at the end of episode one, part one, we had to do something that we didn't have to do in the hour long version. We had to have a campfire to end it. So, and, and why did they end it? So we had a rainstorm come in. So that scene is in the part one, it's not in the hour long episode. Ah. Um, in part two, it opens up the kids coming back to the campfire to say, oh, let's continue with the story. That's not in the hour long episode. So we had to add and subtract. So in order to make room for those campfire scenes, we had to delete some of the scenes of the tale um, from the hour long episode. And, and one of the scenes, and this is the thing I happened to see, I was like, oh God, I forgot about that. Because it kills, you know, you write something and you make it. I wrote and directed Paris Treasure. And, you know, you, you think, oh, this is perfect. But then it's like, oh God, we've got to cut a minute and a half to do this. One of the scenes that was cut was, was right after the Sardo scene. And Sardo gives Rush this card that says the wild boar coiffure to go see uh, Dr. Vink. And then we cut to this really creepy alley and that we shot in Montreal. It's really great. And uh and there's a like an old lady who's in front of a, a fire and a, a thing and Rush comes down the alley in the two-parter, you cut to him downstairs and he goes in and he meets Dr. Vink. In the hour-long version, there's a scene that was cut out, which was he goes by this old lady and he goes, he's looking for the address of the wild boar coiffure. And this fellow walks out of the wild boar coiffure. You probably know him, Richard. It's, um, I forgot his name. It's a guy from Montreal, who you, I'm sure you know. Oh, guy from um, Montreal? Yeah, yeah, I know him. Know him? Know him? Yeah, I know you. Yeah, yeah. Montreal he owes me five actor. bucks. He owes me five bucks if you see him, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, he sends you his best. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, well, you probably know what I say. So, so what happened was Rush goes up to the guy and says, excuse me, is this the wild boar coiffure? And the guy responds with, he goes like this crazy cackle, like, <laughs> and, and he runs off. Rush then goes down and turns out Dr. Vink has all these weird elixirs that he uses on people's hair, implying that he did this to this guy. The guy who was that guy was the guy that, that essentially got him the job as the ghastly grinner. Wow. So let's play the ghastly grinner. Uh, wow. yeah, I, mean, I don't know if you know who he is. Uh, Neil? Neil? Neil something? I don't, I don't remember. Um, but but but, so, he, he, but he was the ghastly grinner. He was he's the actor by the ghastly grinner. Hang and, on, and I'll, he, I'll get it up for you. Hang on. He did That's... this crazy cackle, weird, odd thing, and Rush is like, "Whoa, that was weird." And then he leaves. And so when it came time to cast the ghastly grinner, it's like, hey, "How about that guy who uh, <laughs> had the wacky uh, the thing?" And that's how he got the. Who would have thought ghastly grinner's origin story? We didn't even get to see it. <laughs> Yeah. It's a good story yeah. though. It's a good story. Maybe yeah. the hair tonic like messed with him, kind of like how Joker fell into that and it like bleached his skin. Interesting. So like drove him Dr. Mad. Vink created the ghastly gritter. Interesting. Yeah. I, I know I'm gonna say this wrong, but it was Neil Korich. Kate, oh, Neil Croach. Croach. Yeah, Neil Croach. Yes, yes, yes. 
I did um, um, Italian American Reconciliation with him, John Patrick Shanley's play. Yeah, oh, I, I know Neil. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's such a nice man too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's got a great stage yellow. presence to him. Yeah, especially when he's in red in yellow face. Yes. <laughs> yellow and blue face. Yeah. When he really <laughs> shines, really shines. <laughs> so uh, the only other thing I can say, in fact, I don't know if you can see it, right there. Yep. Is that right under this drawing? You're, that's your drawing, Brett. I know. <laughs> In fact, you got another one there. You got that's that's one of yours too. Yep. The um, birthday one. But that is um, Sardo and Vink together. That oh, was, nice. Yeah. Really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a great moment. Yeah. That was that was the only time moment. we were together. The only time yeah. we were together, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's and interesting because. Gary and Frank both told that tale in tandem. So naturally extensions ah. of them, the recurring characters are, are brought together and here they are right now. Yes. There you go. There you go. Oh yeah. That's actually, it's not a, it's a screen capture. It's not, yeah, a, yeah. not an actual photo, but, uh, but it, uh, I love when Sardo was like, so he's, he's trying to do a number on Dr. Yes. Bing. <laughs> yes. like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Listen, what other little adventures do you think we might be able to cook up together? <laughs> <laughs> He's not your type of character, Sardo. He might get oh you in some gosh. hairy situations. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that was the only time that we were uh, uh, together on screen, certainly in Are You Afraid of the Dark? And and as I reminded Aaron, uh, Mr. Uh, Dr. Vink, uh, that uh, I beat him by one performance, right? We were both the reoccurring characters, and I beat him by one. Yep. I beat him by one. beat him by two. <laughs> Sorry. Well, well, up to season two. five, oh, did I really? One, and then six and seven, two more. Oh, okay. Tucker's Tales. Yeah. Up until that yeah. point, yeah. That was it. Was uh, that was wonderful? I remember it being so bright out, DJ. One time that we were shooting and trying to look at the character who I was uh, speaking to, and it was just blinding. It was just a, such a wonderfully bright September. I'm sorry, summer day, which you would love normally in Montreal, certainly. But it was just blinding to try to look at your fellow actor. Well, well it was also <laughs> so. I, so I, my point is, I squinted a lot of that <laughs> a lot of the outdoor scenes you'll see me it looks pretty bright there light, so i mean the, the light just reflected all the light i mean the lakes in the background there but yeah uh, yeah it was something else it was fun that was a, that was a lot of fun but to have those two guys this does my heart such good to have these yeah. two guys uh yeah look it does my heart good to see it that's very very nice Thank rest you. in peace aaron tager yes yes yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the the other question I had for this episode, it's less of a Sardo question, but and, and DJ may be able to answer this uh, better. But what was it like working with uh, Charles S. Dutton? He's great. I mean, there's there's no question about that. The, the thing I do remember most about it, though, <laughs> oh, this is this would be a moment in time. Uh, we ended up shooting at night for whatever reason, as we're shooting in the cavern sequence, and. Um, I had trouble getting Charles or Rock, as we call them, because that was he was known for that show, Rock, um, out of his uh, trailer because he was so engaged, rat watching this news report of his friend O.J. Simpson in a slow speed chase oh, going oh, down wow. to San Diego. So that was the night of the infamous slow speed chase. And he was on TV, just like, oh man! And I'm like, 
Yeah, that's what. Can you? We got a good thing going on. I play pirate right now. Isn't that something? I didn't know that. That's the 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 infamous the Ford Bronco, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, you got a picture of that too. Uh, Nice. (laughs) The Ford Bronco. (laughs) Not the Bronco. I mean Cutter. Captain Cutter. Oh, that's that's a great photo. Yes, that's a wonderful photo. So he was he was fabulous. Yeah, I was thinking of all things to have a picture of. Would you, why would you want the Ford Brocade, Charles? <laughs> okay, right. here's here's old three eighty nine. I got another something for you. Hold on, <laughs> they don't make engines like that anymore, Alex. I'm telling you right now. Good car. You got a car like that, you want to keep it. Right. Let's take a uh, let's take a spin back to Super Spec for a second. Okay. Uh, this is not a picture from Super Spec. This is a picture from another series that Ned and I did called Crisscross. Oh, oh I remember yeah. Crisscross. Yes. And that was uh, Weeds from uh, there, Yes. The Weeds actor. From, uh, and and oh, Rachel Blanchard, who was uh, yep. in the Midnight Society. Yeah. That was their testing wow. ground. So we had Rachel on two shows. Very cool. I love that it. Was a, that was a good series, DJ, as well. I don't know if you remember, but I did all the pickups on that, and I voice directed all the ADR on that. I thoroughly liked that, uh, that series. Yeah, I, I I love to to say that, uh, and I, I say this jokingly, uh, but it's fun anyway. That um, there's an actress who owes her career to me, and that is um, when we crisscross we shot in England, and uh, um, when it came down to the role uh, that Rachel played, it came down to two girls, and uh, Rachel was one of them, and there was another girl who. Um, from England, who uh, I only saw on her like a crappy VHS tape, and uh, but you could tell even on the tape she was great. She was just great, and so we're like, who are we gonna catch? I don't know. Rachel, we knew, you know, we knew she'd be great. She, are you afraid of the dark? She'd be great. This girl was like, oh, she has chops. But it, it, they, how do I say this nicely? It, the lighting wasn't the best on her in this <laughs> bad audition mm-hmm. where, you know, you have Rachel who's just like this glamorous, beautiful girl. And then this other girl is kind of, kind of, so it's like, Oh, let's go the TV route. Let's cast the girl. We know why not. Um, so this other actress basically owes me her career because if she had wasted her time on crisscross, she wouldn't have gotten sense and sensibility. And it was Kate Winslet. Oh, wow. Are you serious? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Poor her. Poor that up. So, 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 you're welcome, Kate, for not casting you in that show. Well, that's like Julie Andrews not getting cast in My Fair Lady, but getting cast in Mary Poppins. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. And she was originally cast in My Fair Lady because mm-hmm. uh, she was on Broadway in My Fair Lady. Yep. Okay, who was the original... Oh, this is going way back, Richard. Who was the original Oscar Madison from The Odd Couple on Broadway? On Broadway, uh, there was Art Carney and... Um, it was Art Carney. Well, it was, it was Walter Matthau, but it was Art Carney. Okay. Yeah. Art and he Carney. couldn't get the movie role. He's like, yeah, hey, you're, you're a Broadway guy. You're not a TV guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Lemmon was just fine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 true enough true enough yeah i would have loved to see Dark carney do that actually okay yes how awesome would that have been oh yeah really 
to this day that uh, that first scene in i'm sorry this is so far off <laughs> in the dark i'm sorry it's okay it's okay go for it it's funny because you brought it up because it's one of my favorite neil simon plays if not my favorite uh the first scene in that that first card game is one of the funniest scenes i have ever read much less seen you really if you haven't read it you really should the play the first mm -hmm. uh card scene that they have very very funny very funny well, all Neil Simon's plays is 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 fabulous and funny as they are. They read funny too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's he's he was amazing. Yeah, truly. That's like Sardo did not read funny on the page. It took Richard to make it. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Praise from Caesar. Praise from Caesar. But no, no, no. <laughs> What's up next? We've got a door unlocked from season five, episode twelve. Oh, and I forgot to mention um, before we move on so that we cover it as well. Is Cutter's Treasure the, the premiere uh, episode of season four or is it more towards the middle like season? I mean, episode four. It was the, five of season it was the four. premiere. Premiere. Was okay. The premiere. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was the episode that, that I directed it. And I, after a, um, a, a casting junket, which I always did across Canada and, and New York and whatnot, I landed in Montreal with the chicken box. Oh, uh, I had a prep Cutter's Treasure for my hotel room in quarantine um, and finally got out like a couple of days before we started shooting. Oh. Rowan Mayo with chicken pox. Montreal like watching, watching curling on TV. <laughs> That'll get you in the mood for a pirate adventure, huh? <laughs> Cutter's curling. Cutter's curling. <laughs> But yes, uh, moving on into season five with Adora Mox, uh, another fun episode, actually. Uh, we have Justin, who is a kid who lacks the confidence he needs to ask a girl out to the school dance. Sound familiar? Uh, when his cool, charismatic friend pushes him into Sardo's magic mansion in order to put the moves on a nearby girl, Justin stumbles upon a tiny wooden door containing the ability to see the future based on when, whatever question it is asked. However, when Justin keeps seeing visions of a beautiful girl in danger, <laughs> engulfed in flames to be specific, he does whatever he can to stop the fiery fate from happening with Sardo's help. And uh, some of the main things that I noted about this episode uh, were that Sardo mentioned the super specs yet again when he was looking for different items, um, <laughs> pulling up the different doors. Can't forget that. I mean, it's yeah. the premiere Sardo episode. Just the thing to help you solve your problem. Um, he offers Justin not one, not two, but actually three doors, uh, one in, one that goes out, and then one we never know where it goes. For all we know, it's to the super specs dimension. <laughs> and, um, yeah, when, when, uh, the, when, the, when the second door starts showing up, it's so Sardo. He's like, yeah, I thought you said this is one of a kind. Okay, yeah. it's two of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said this is one of a kind. Uh, yes. Well, you see, the um, the doors are uh, are a match set, and so you see they are one of a kind. Um, both of them, sort of. Uh, all right, there are two of a kind. So sue me. <laughs> Did I say one of a kind? Did I say one. Then... I distinctly said two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, I also liked how Sardo mentioned uh, when he hears his name being called from the door as it's smoking. Uh, that's it. I've got to change my mind. It's finally driven me out of my mind. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, yes. More beautiful character mind. development. That's it. I'm changing my name. It's finally driven me out of my mind. Yeah. And then, um, which is, I did... which is the episode where Sardo, it, it might have been Carved Stone, where 
something happened and he's Richard you had like a feather duster and you're just like I've got to get out of this business (laughs) (laughs) got to get out of this business I think you're right I may have been dusting a skull (laughs) yeah Yeah. it it was so fun because when you have a recurring character you start playing off of things you've seen before and and riffing off of things like there and there's one episode where some kid says Sardo and your your first reaction is and I said, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. You got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Mr. Sar I mean Sardo. Might have been that one from the room. Yeah. Um, I also did note uh what price the door was when he was trying to sell it to Justin. Uh first he started with sixty-four ninety-five, then immediately he dropped it to forty-four ninety-five. And even down further to twenty four ninety five because he really wants to sell that door, but then he eventually settles on just ten dollars. <laughs> Got to pay the rent somehow. <laughs> was I losing on the deal though? Was I losing on the deal? You were definitely so. losing on the deal. Yes. I think you could have gotten half off of that sticker price and still got by and still convinced yeah. him to pay for it. <laughs> and it's a steal at uh, sixty four ninety five. What? Oh, but wait! Today's sale day. It's only $44.95. I can't afford it. $24.95? I've only got 10 Sold. But I'm losing on the deal. Um, I did also notice in the background as like a little Easter egg of Sardo's Magic Mansion that there was a Shandu the Great poster uh, in this particular iteration of the Magic oh. Mansion. And oh. that is in reference to uh, Shandu the Magician from another Gary tale in season two, The Tale of the Magician's Assistant. They were, they were, we put stuff like that throughout all the series that uh, and it's so much fun because it, it's fun when people pick up on it yeah yeah it's like playing where's waldo are you afraid yeah. of the dark edition yeah oh oh that also reminded me speaking of easter eggs i did see the vest that um master raymond wore on like a skeleton with a top hat in the cutter's treasure version of the magic mansion Oh, you know, part of those were Easter eggs. Part of those were you just had a finite number of props. Yeah, fill the space, <laughs> yeah. make it look like a magic shop. <laughs> you always saw that on the tombstones. You see those yeah. same tombstones were uh, all over the place. Oh yeah, <laughs> the Ron Oil ones are different. Ron Oil, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah infamous. Uh, any any thoughts about working on a, a door unlocked, Richard? Or any behind-the-scenes thoughts, uh, DJ? No, no, not really. To tell you the truth, I've got a, that one. I definitely have to rewatch. I have to rewatch. I, I can't really remember that much. I remember the uh, the whole conquest with the the doors. That I do remember, but I don't remember too much from that episode. I must admit. I must admit. Well, it's been it's been a little bit. It's been yeah. a little bit. That one has. I've got to rewatch these. I really, really do, and I will. <laughs> I will. I I, I think. At least I hope that that you'll be really pleased because I was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's different when it's you because I mean you're going to be more critical of yourself than anyone. But but uh, uh, I, it was better than I remembered. <laughs> it, was, it was really fun. Yes. I, I remember being just so so damned funny. I really do. <laughs> the scenes that Sardo had again because as we all know he was a comic relief. But I just remember that the the play that we would always had between the actors was just wonderful. The casting in those shows was yeah. incredible. Really, yeah. really, really incredible. And in all the kids you played against they all got the joke yes yes they played it so well and 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 some some challenged you a little more yeah character wise not acting wise yeah some some challenged you a little more question you a little bit more but which is almost fun because then you got to parry with them so it was yeah yeah yeah. kids were good 
Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, if that's it, we're going to go into uh, Tucker Sardo's tale of season six and seven, uh, starting with the tale of Oblivion, which I believe yeah. is season six, episode 11. And the summary for that is Max is always being one-upped by his smarter sister, Shelly, in grades especially. On the way to school, Max and his sister visit Sardo's Magic Mansion in order to grab some art supplies for their upcoming drawing class. Sardo doesn't exactly specialize in such items, but he does have a mystical silver tin containing a piece of charcoal and a kneaded eraser allegedly used by such greats as Picasso and Da Vinci. Once Max uses the charcoal and eraser in class, he notices that whenever he erases something new, it, dis it disappears from reality. Yeah. But where does it go exactly? Max tinkers with the awesome power of these ancient tools as he makes a neighborhood dog disappear and even his own sister to a place called Oblivion. Here, a realm where all things in life are discarded after they have been used up. Max must rescue himself, his sister, and even Sardo before a forgotten foe who goes by Kronos the Conqueror puts an end to them permanently. Some things that I noted about this episode when I reviewed it is that... Uh, you know, essentially Sardo gives them the, the art kit. He tries to sell them an abacus that somehow measures the speed of heat, which I thought was just a side splitting, side splitting quote. Um, I, I did note also that he interacted with Max and Shelley's parents at the end when they got out of oblivion because he was uh, a piano tutor, uh, tuner as a scapegoat to, you know, tune their piano. That's why it got erased into oblivion and Kronos was playing it. And um, yeah uh other than that we we do see sardo uh emerging from the the back counter with a napkin tucked into his shirt implying that he was eating there and sometimes it makes me wonder if he actually lives in his magic shop too uh because there's another little easter egg tidbit that we're going to talk about in the upcoming tale that's kind of similar to that um he does he does offer uh max and shelly the art set for 30 dollars, but then immediately takes it uh, down to $10, which they agreed to pay. And this marks the first time Sardo interacts with a parent. Uh, any thoughts on that episode? This episode had such a brilliant concept. I, lo I love this one. You wrote that, right, DJ? No, no. Yeah. No, you no, didn't write I mean, that one? Okay. No, it, but I got to tell you, the, I'm going to go back to my lament that I've said a million times that season six and seven, they just don't get the love. You know, somehow it's, oh, it's like this reboot. It's whatever. It's like, some of our best episodes, and I'm telling you, Oblivion totally. and Time Trap were two of my favorite episodes. Not the least of which because of Richard's part in it and his brilliance in it. Um, in watching it yesterday, there's, and I had forgotten about it mostly. I mean, the concept of Oblivion and racing, I think it was great. I, I ran into a guy once where my office used to be. He was a young guy. He said, you made Are You Afraid of the Dark? I did a whole high school thesis on the episode Oblivion. No. Yes, Whoa. that's awesome. Oh, thank God. Someone, someone appreciated that. Um, but one of the things that made me laugh out loud, and I thought, well, that's really clever, was with those two kids, as you said, Brett, who go into the Magic Mansion looking for art supplies. And started, I was like, mm. <laughs> <He's> like <laughs> how am I going to stretch this this time? <laughs> yeah, it's like, but wait, but wait. <laughs> you can find the most interesting items in my shop. Uh, all you need to do is ask. So ask. Oh, um... <clears throat> Art supplies. Art supplies. I need art supplies. Pencils are over there. <laughs> and and then you, and you went through the stuff and you found some box and 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 the kid kept saying, "But I want art supplies." And so he, and he does this sardo thing with this box. He's make he hasn't even opened it yet. And but he's making up 
whatever it is. Yeah. Just, just to spin it, whatever. And he goes, and it's a, a box for art supplies. Oh my God, he had art supplies. Hey, what's this? Ah, you have excellent taste. That comes all the way from England. It's very, very special. It's, um, it's, it's an antique. It's an antique uh, holder, an antique holder for uh, for art supplies. Funny. <laughs> Honestly, I think the more exaggerated he he plays with the ordinary objects, the better. Yeah. <laughs> it just really sells it's, it's the scene. So fun to see Richard riff on those. <laughs> but in reference to what you were just uh, speaking about, Brett, I, 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 in my mind, everything that Sardo did in his real life, if you will, all happened in that shop. He ate mm-hmm. back there. He dressed back there. He watched television or listened to the radio, whatever. He had a, clearly a phone back there, and he also had the, a phone booth, as I recall, also yep. in the Magic Mansion. I remember him saying, it's your nickel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's your nickel. And uh, it's uh, so I imagine he just, he basically, except for when he did in some episodes leave the shop, he was just there 24-7. Because you never know what a customer could come in, right? right. That's, I guess that was his uh, raison d'etre. <laughs> Well, well I mean, even that, that bit with the with the the napkin, yeah, I could be wrong, could be misremembering, but I don't think that was scripted. I think that's probably something Richard said. Oh, how about if I just come out with it? <laughs> I honestly can't. I really can't remember unless you know I did it uh, coming out of makeup, and maybe they said, "Oh, keep it, keep it, keep it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I'm not. But sure. it's but it adds so much. I mean, just that little bit. I mean, it, it really does. Again, it made me laugh. I'm like, okay, <laughs> because he's always one foot in, in putting on a show another foot and trying to hide what's really right. going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can, I can just see Sardo looking for more quote unquote supplies to sell. So going to flea markets and just shystering everyone there just to get more stuff. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Stories. Could you build off of those things? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, I got to tell you the, the, uh, Rich, I told you this years ago, I think when I, when I wrote an Ari Afraid of the Dark feature for Paramount that never got off the ground, it was a Sardo story. Oh yeah. That would have um, been amazing to see. And it was, it was all about a carnival with this, but it was basically the origin story of the boogeyman. Oh, he had, oh, he had a box that, that contained the boogeyman. Interesting. Um, uh, and then the kid came across, you know, Sardo, I think. But wow, wow, cool. <laughs> so, so oh, did Sardo sell the boogeyman to a kid that came in his magic mansion? No, he didn't know it was the boogeyman, <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. he and then he tried to get it back, and so it was, it was very Sardo like because mm-hmm. he never really knows epic what's in there, right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, no. he's not other than the say, take the children line. <laughs> <laughs> He really means no harm. No, he just wants to make a buck. <laughs> he means well. maybe he's, he means he's oblivious well. to the kid's sense of danger. He's like, oh, yeah. that's nothing. Just you know, take this spell and on your way now. <laughs> Walk around, shake it off, shake it off. <laughs> but oh, or buy now, or buy now, buy now. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I actually noted a quote that I liked a lot from this episode of Oblivion that um when he when he first comes back from oblivion in max and shelly's house he says mothers never like me (laughs) (laughs) yes mothers never like me 
<laughs> as if he's had a, a few bad Russians with them before. <laughs> like he taught a class at um at school and he got like launched off the the parents PTA or something. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly. Yeah. yeah. Parents don't like me or whatever. <laughs> I remember, do you remember there was some was there a prop or was did i just make this up in my head was there a prop in you know in, in uh oblivion where we see a bunch of old things of course so you know that aren't, aren't of any use was there like an old like comet or something a car was yes there yeah you were in oh, it yeah. Sardo. yeah that's Are where you, you appeared you appeared in... yeah and you like spit your uh toothpaste on the windshield right, you right, you're you brushing it <laughs> <laughs> That was so fun. That was fun. What is in this toothpaste? Yeah. <laughs> LSD? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, a lot of great oh, moments. That's why mothers never liked me. That's it. When I put in the toothpaste, clearly, clearly. Yep, yeah. Don't sell the toothpaste to kids. I did what you said. I followed my sister here, and now I got stuck. Well, one thing I saw just a limited number of props is in, in Oblivion where the little girl is in a uh, in a big cage on a conveyor belt going towards a, the fiery furnace. That was the same cage that Max was in in Carter's Treasure. Oh, <laughs> it's like, no way! That's where it, that's where it ended up. Someone else erased it. Oblivion, today, yeah. Cutter. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it all connects. Yeah. Uh, I also thought it was interesting how that furnace reminded me of like that that dark furnace scene in a uh, toy story three if mm. anyone remembers that maybe they sure. got it from watching are you afraid of the dark since that came first oh it all comes back to are you afraid of the dark so yeah like, yeah everything everything just saying <laughs> well we're gonna head into uh season seven uh episode 11 i believe with the tale of the time trap which is another tucker tale and what happens here is uh jason who's played by jay baruchel he lacks the confidence to ask a girl out on date Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so he ends up ducking into Sardo's magic mansion when he nearly crosses paths with the girl on his mind. Uh, inside, Sardo persuades the high schooler to buy a Persian victory box, an object that grants wishes to whomever places their hand on the insignia on its side. Yes. Exactly. Little did he know that once Jason made a wish, a genie would appear, the kind that likes to have some fun at the wisher's expense. Can Jason dig himself out of this magical debacle with Sardo's help before his reality is forever warped into a plane of madness? And I thought this one was really interesting uh, because there's quite a few tidbits involved. Uh, not only uh, the fact that the genie was played by... Eleanor Noble. Yeah, Eleanor Noble, who, who played, what's her face? Uh, Shelly in The Tale of the Dark Dragon when she was like oh. dating Keith. Uh, so that was interesting. And then we actually get to see Uncle Bobo from Carved Stone. He yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always thought he looked like a version of Kramer with like hobo garb or like. Yeah. A oh, that's true. Seinfeld. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So it's like Sardo's got a little bit of Jason Alexander in yeah. him, and then Uncle Bobo's got the Kramer. We just need uh, Jerry Seinfeld in there. Oh, isn't that something? I never noticed that until now. <laughs> that's true. That's very yeah, true. Yeah, especially as like sudden like wacky expressions to it it lines up <laughs> um I, I did note that this had like a be careful what you wish for kind of flavor to the tale yeah, yeah. very similar to twisted claw um but set in a different frame so that was interesting and then uh similar to the napkin in sardo's uh vest from oblivion we do see that sardo was like hiding uh i think sunny d and like a martini glass and something alcoholic potentially 
you know, it's, fun, it's funny you said that because I, again, I watched this yesterday and I saw that he, he covered something. I, I didn't get it. I didn't know what it was. I thought, I thought he was, was making a mimosa to get through the day. <laughs> I thought it was, as I, I'm sort of going back now, so forgive me, but I, I thought it was, I was making up the potion. And that was all the ingredients that were going into this. There was a little vial. I Maybe thought that was hitting this rapid before they see it. I just kind of put ah. the uh, a cloth or whatever. I thought. I, I thought. think that's. I think that's what it was. I think that's I what could it was. Be wrong. Yeah. That was it. it. It looked like some sort of bartending thing to me, but it could be. That magical potion one hundred and one. That's a side hustle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Oh man! Mixology at night. Yeah, bathtub um, gin is one problem. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was fun to see. I mean, even at that young age, Jay Baruchel had jobs. Yeah, yeah. And to, to see he and Richard play off of each other, it, we talked. We were saying before about how great the kids were and playing off of Sardo. I think Jay's probably the best of all of them Definitely. because he he was right up there with you, yeah. and and challenging you and. and 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 right with the comedic stuff too. It was this the scene where you're with him? It's towards towards the end, I guess. It's, I guess it's towards, no, I mean, no, it's not. Too, well, it's, it's getting towards the climax where you're at the parents' house, and uh, he's there, and his mother comes down, and <laughs> and he says, uh, "Jay said he's a teacher, and he's helping me with current events, <laughs> which is true." And and you're just like, and then the mom. She says, okay, fine, have fun. And she says to you, nice cape. I, <laughs> I, I did like that addition. It's like you're really you're really adding some flair. I don't think like that you're was super your reaction is just like, eh. <laughs> 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 Honey, who's your friend? Hey mom, uh oh, this is Mr. Um Sardo. No, mister. Accent on the dough. I, yeah, uh he's a a teacher. Um he's helping me with uh current events good i'll leave you two alone nice cape <laughs> oh, i remember that it's it's funny you say this uh dj because i have to tell you honestly i don't like to you know say he's my, my 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 favorite uh actor young actor that i work with but um but jay was just just phenomenal and as you say you could tell you know he was quite young then he did something right before there was popular mechanics or something or another he had done yeah. oh, yeah. he was phenomenal to this day, I consider him a friend. He was my muse for, I'm gonna go off on a little tangent here, but I was so impressed by him uh, that he was my muse for a, uh, for a screenplay that I wrote that just well, recently got optioned. And okay. uh, he was my muse for that, that, that character, the way he played that character. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was wonderful and you're absolutely right. His comedy, his sense of timing, it was right there. It, he, was, he was really, really good. And we had some nice scenes. We had that scene too, where he comes back and he says uh, something about him being too popular or something towards that effect. And, said, and that's a problem because- Right, yeah, right. <laughs> he, was just, he, was, he was just right there. He was right there. Everything you threw at him, he he just grabbed and went with. He was really good, really, and still is, obviously. He he reminded me, and I don't know if he was this was intentional or he was channeling it or it was just subliminal, but a lot of his mannerisms reminded me of, uh, and it was the right era of of Matthew Perry and Friends. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just kind of doing this yeah. kind of thing, yeah, and, and that, and yeah. and it's and he was like oh, we brought him back. He was like in four episodes. That, that's how how great he was yeah i think uh, he was also in a zombie dice dead man's floats yep. uh this one and then what's the other one walking shadow walking shadow right that was yeah. the Macbeth one 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, that it, that it was so much fun to watch these two, you two play off each other, and it, and again, it doesn't get the love that that laughing in the dark gets. And, yeah. and it was in so many ways when 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 the when the, the whole house changes because he makes the wrong wish. Right. Right. So it's not his house anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, the woman comes down. Ah, what are you doing? <laughs> My husband's coming. Your husband's a cop. Cop. And yes, that's right. Outside, and you say, "Well, at least he's alone." And you're like, "Very fast." <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, yes. Everything's changed. Ah! Ah! Who are you? What are you doing here? Uh, this is my house. Yeah, I'm just visiting. This isn't your house. This is my house. And, and, and my husband's gonna be home any second. This just keeps getting better. You picked the wrong house to break into. Oh, no, 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 no. You see, we're not, we're not bad guys. Honey! Oh. At least he's alone. That's right. That didn't take long. After <laughs> <laughs> that, I remember that. Oh my yep. god, what a memory! <laughs> and, and then, and then, and then, as as the countdown is happening, the cops are ready to tear gas the place. Oh yes, yes. He gives you the wish, and all you think of is like, oh, <laughs> so you care about is what can I wish for? World peace. Generic. <laughs> 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 You mean I can wish for anything I want? Yes. You've got one minute to come out with your hands up or we'll start shooting. Think of something, huh, Hurry? This is the chance of a lifetime. If you don't think of something, that lifetime won't last very long. They're getting ready to shoot tear gas. I, I could wish for, for world peace. Or oh, cure every disease. Wish faster. Oh, I've got it. What, I wish for what a hundred more wishes or something. Yeah, and you became wish. a genie. More wishes, which is the wrong thing to wish. <clears throat> That's it. Yeah. That's well, he started it, right? Didn't he? Jay's character started by giving me the wish. I wish Sardo. Yeah, I wish Sardo had a wish. Right. And then you wished uh, for a million wishes, and that yeah. that released the genie. And uh, yes. and I was right when I so I went back to our Dark Dragon to it and realized Eleanor was in both those Sardo episodes. I I forgot yeah. that she was in Dark Dragon. Yeah. It's a cool coincidence. So what was it like being a genie, Sardo? <laughs> oh, yeah, in the, in the box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get me out. Yeah, exactly. That shot in the crib. Get me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm losing on the deal. Yes. <laughs> that was the Bobo line. Oh, they talk about um, uh, playing off of isms and, and things and whatnot. When, when the very beginning, when Bobo is shystering and getting Sardo to take the box, and he's Sardo's getting played, and you get you get yeah. like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I got Sardoed. I got Sardo. You got Sardo. Karma. <laughs> so much so that when he finally gave it to you, and he went, oh, he goes, and you're, and you say, and that's funny because 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 <laughs> finally you really are losing on the deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How much do you want for it? Fifty dollars. Fifty. I mean forty for you, my friend. Forty dollars. That's too rich for my blood, Bobo. Free. <laughs> you sell it for what you can, and you give me what you think is fair. Oh, Sado. How can you go wrong? Everything. 
funny because... <gasps> oh, this is funny because you finally are losing on the deal. <laughs> that yeah. <laughs> and what was that? Oh, when he first comes in, was he all white and everything? He comes in looking like a corpse almost when he comes in my shop. So you've got so thin. Have you been working out? <laughs> Did you know oh. what he went through to get that Persian victory box? Yeah, exactly. He went all the way to Persia. <laughs> Don't be scared, Sabo. It's me. It's me, Bobo. Bobo, you look so so thin. Have you been working out? And to get rid of it, oh, we could hardly wait yeah. to get rid of it. <laughs> that that Sardo made up. I don't know what it was, but uh, Sardo, it's a Persian victory box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, it, it, makes, <laughs> it makes me wonder what other kinds of uh, objects Sardo could weave stories around. Because uh, I always think about that, like, if Sardo even got his own show is like, Oh, come and come into my shop. This, this week we got this, that was freshly imported and it's got the ability to like see through other people's minds into another dimension and the, the cross love of- it out of steel, you know, yeah. talking to the camera. And then so on goes the story of how some, some slub who got duped into buying it gets into a whole bunch of mess and, and then has to find a way to turn everything back to normal by the end of the day and just give it back to him so he can put it back on the shelf and end the show. The cross, yeah. the, the crossover I always wanted to see was the Sardo Magic Mansion, and then like across the street was the magic box that Giles ran on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Interesting. <laughs> well, then there was also, um, what was the show? Uh, this is probably from the 80s. Was it? I'm going to say Friday the 13th, the series. Oh, I don't know. Where actually. it was about a curio shop. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And all all the things in the curio shop were hexed somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that, uh, uh, I mean, they all had some, they were all haunted. Yep. Uh, every piece had something to do with it. So when someone bought it, something horrible happened to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I think there were a couple of people who were trying to, oh, that's it, that's it. There are a couple people trying to track down all those pieces that have been sold because okay. there was, a, was it Friday the 13th the series? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and nothing to do with Freddy Krueger. Uh, or maybe it was Nightmare. And I, 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 One of the it, it could have been Friday because Friday the 13th didn't even have Jason Voorhees in it. It was just mm. all individual tales. It, so it, was, an, it was an anthology was show too, so it very well could have been. So that's probably what it was, yeah. 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 So we're going we're gonna to jump a little bit from uh, the year 2000 to the year 2021. But we might actually be going into the past because this is a flashback scene uh, where we see Sardo in the tale of the dark house. And this is technically episode six of whatever season they want to call Curse of the Shadows, either season two or <laughs> nine, depending on how you reboot two. Reboot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. <laughs> 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 uh, but yes, uh, with here's here's a quick little summary of Dark House because it pretty much just wraps everything up uh, in the reboots. So with every Midnight Society member captured by the Shadow Man, except him, Luke must find a key to unlock a solution to defeating the sinister villain and mend the broken lives of the past for a brighter future at the Lighthouse. Is it, it is here in the Dark House, which is like the inverse of that, uh, the holding place of the Shadow Man's victims are held. And using, um, using a little bit of time manipulation, they... They confront the shadow man at the lighthouse and reverse all the all the bad stuff. Uh, the interesting tidbits that 
happened during that moment. Uh, we do see Sardo in the flashback scene when Luke is kind of recalling everything through the, through the seance, trying to, you know, piece together the clues to the puzzle of how to defeat the Shadow Man. Um, and we do see like a young version of the Sardo in Curse of Shadows, which I just call like Sardo Jr. or like Sardo's grandson, because, you know, it's, it's, he's essentially a descendant of the original Sardo. And he's uh, playing with a lock while uh, Sardo Sr. is talking to June Murphy's father um, in terms of like how he, how he can get the Book of Shadows, uh, ha get access to it. And, you know, you're just denying that it exists in your shop because it's a very dangerous book. Um, and once, once that moment happens, uh, you essentially go to Sardo Jr. and show him the proper way how to open the lock, which is like a very specific looking lock. It has like numbers, sorry, letters on it. And there's like four little squares and you have to press, you have to press like a peg on the side of it to reveal a hidden key. So somehow that, that serves as a foreshadowing for the hidden key to discovering how to get into the dark house, which is through actually the shadows interacting with the shadows. Um, and with the Midnight Society members kind of coordinating with each other, you know, those that are trapped in the dark house with Luke on the light side of reality, uh, they, they pass things to enforce each other and then form a plan to chase the shadow man up to the, the top of the lighthouse and then just burn him with like a massive light bulb, essentially, that makes him go uh, explode. Um, any, any moments that you recall of significance from doing this scene, Richard? Well, I first of all, it was a lot of fun to be, uh, you know, to be brought there. Um, we did this in uh, in Vancouver. It was a lot of fun to be brought there to uh, to play that character again, and how much uh, that character is loved. Um, I got on the set to um, honestly, and it's never happened before. When I got on the set to, I got on the set to applause. I left the set uh, with applause. It was truly, I, I started to tear up at one point. Oh. Uh, it, it was, it was really quite something. And you're right at the, uh, you said at the uh, the beginning that it wasn't, um, it wasn't jovial, you know, fun, fun Sardo. It wasn't meant to be that way. For some reason, as I mentioned, they wanted to have me look like a, it was sort of like this heavenly, weird, otherworldly thing, which I think it just bleached me right out and I look terrible. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, it was uh, that scene. Those two kids were quite good. I mean, one was just observing, right? But my grandson, uh, he was quite good, that uh, that little boy. I thought he was quite good. And I like the fact that they incorporated. They weren't going to use the, uh, the that Sardo. It wasn't even in script. I said, why? He comes in, he says, Mr. Sardo. I mean, <laughs> that's an open invitation, I think, <laughs> to yeah. use that line. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, thankfully they did that. And it, I thought it worked quite well. Uh, and then from then on, it was, you know, the Sardo was accepted as, you know, the sort of other Sardo, if you will. Uh, but I, I, I did enjoy it. I, I did like going over and doing that lock. And you're right, there was, as I recall, there were four screws that were sort of bolted into this lock. And you had to touch one of these uh, screws on it. Once you did, you know, the flap came up and it revealed another lock. So I was teaching, it was sort of passing down right. Sardo's weaseliness in a way and his ability to do some magic uh, down to his, uh, to his grandson. And I, I thought it was quite good. It was very yeah. small scene, as you know, very small scene. That's all I was in, uh, but I, I truly enjoyed it. it. It was still a sentimental moment for all the fans growing up and seeing kind of that, that full circle kind of thing where you, you know that in this reboot, it's passing it on to a new generation and you can feel that with the interaction between Sardo senior and sardo jr so even it's if it was a moment for me it really was so yeah yeah there's a hazard feel to say okay let's 
let's step back into that skin again. So well, the way back. People say, hey, is this very is this different from when you did it 25 years ago? And I go, Jesus, I've been 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the time goes. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh it was wonderful to know that this uh this show, this character um was so beloved um and and still is still is um so i got that sense very much on set very very much the respect they have for the series dj dj for sure i mean what you what you started here is just it's phenomenal and it's it's well loved well loved and respected yeah brett and i are very much uh, a part of several different groups and things on facebook which i'm sure you are both well aware that there's tons that exist and uh it, podcasters who talk about the show in particular and anytime the current reboot well now uh previous reboots were done there, there was a lot of uh it's it's okay it's not the same there's some good things there's some uh yeah. but the moment sardo showed up it was like a a kid at christmas on every single one of these uh different groups everyone was so excited even if it was just for a little bit it was it was sardo it's part of our childhood has come back and this is so freaking cool so that that's just a a, such a testament to how much you have brought the character to life and what dj has created with the character absolutely and the fact that it was the original actor i mean it wasn't just bring back that really adds to the value of it yeah that that's pretty cool it was it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun the uh the writer called me and said nickelodeon has just released a preview and it's going wild the internet's going wild about it the fan base fan base yes and that it was that was something uh because you know it doesn't happen to to an actor to me it doesn't happen every day that's for sure it's like there was this i I was telling dj about this some time ago uh last time i saw aaron as a matter of fact he was um he was actually dressed as uh as vink because we did a um a halloween you know uh, kind of reunion in a way Mm -hmm. uh in uh in toronto with the i think it was the royal theater i think it's an old vaudeville theater and then it became a movie theater years later anyway uh i uh i was in toronto for this and um i pulled up to the theater and my hand to god my hand to god there was a lineup from the front door of that theater all the way down and around the block and i kid you not and i was i'm in the cab right and I'm like, whoa i never expected that they say it got sold out in 17 minutes Woo. wow oh, that's a test that's a testament to what dj's done what? that is <laughs> that's that- it's and it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. And when you, you we all do jobs and and their jobs and they come and they go and and you do your best job that you hope you did a good job and you hope people like it and all that kind of stuff. But then having that, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, that sense that that it actually has some longevity that actually stuck with people. You know, it wasn't necessarily uh, disposable moments. It's like it's stuff that stayed with people. Yeah. um that's that's a great feeling it's and as and as much as you know i joked it's like oh my god 30 years later i'm still talking about this show i wasn't talking about it for the last for the first 20 years <laughs> it's it's the past 10 years that suddenly it's going. and and it's like i have to take a step back and just say well that's pretty cool that that it meant that much to to that many people and and especially when it was a small cable television kid show yeah now we're not talking about friends here mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not talking about michael keaton coming back as batman mm-hmm. you know this is 
we're talking about something that it, it's almost like it, it, uh, Alex, you're saying that it's like it's almost like a a family of people who grew up in that era who watched that show. They all have that thing in common, and and you know there aren't there aren't hundreds of millions of them. There are millions of them, and and, and it's a special thing for them. And, and oh, absolutely, see, it's, yeah. it's a really good it's a good feeling. Oh yeah, to echo what uh, DJ just said. I met a lot of parents, you know, who were watching as kids and who brought their kids and have been watching it, you know, through, you know, through uh, the video or what have you. Right. And uh, same thing, they're fans too. They're fans too. The, 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 they're children. It's wonderful, wonderful. Well, well I got to tell you, I guess I started saying this before that, that you know, when you do something and not everything withstands the test of time, shall we say. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but going back and, and watching all those Sardo scenes, maybe I'm biased. I, I will admit that, that maybe I have a slight bias going on there. But I was just like, holy geez, this is legit. This really, this is really good. It was. It, it still it, is. It still is. It's, it's, I mean, you could complain that all oh, the kids dress like they're in the 90s. Okay, fine, whatever. But, but it's like, wow, it, it holds up. It's a that, piece of time, yeah. It's a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely, it does. Absolutely. It's like a Neil Simon play. <laughs> it holds <laughs> up no matter what did. time period. Yeah. You brought it around full circle, DJ. Did did? The Neil Simon of Nickelodeon. <laughs> there, you there we go. <laughs> well done, Alex. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's my co-host. <laughs> Well, that concludes our uh, retrospective of Sardo's Magic Mansion. We saw many great episodes, uh, relive some wonderful memories, and all sorts of uh, good behind-the-scenes moments included in that. Um, Alex, do you want to pick like maybe one or two questions of our bunch, or do you want to just jump right into uh, our next two segments in closing? Yeah, I do have a couple of questions. I know that we we have a couple, and I actually had one I wanted to tack on to. Um, but uh, one in particular was what inspired the role of Sardo, and going along with that, how often were you? Because just in this interview, you you snap into him and snap right back out. How often were you in character when the camera wasn't rolling? Um, okay, I'll tackle that one first. Um, I don't think as as often as uh, as people may like. I, I don't know. I clearly that, clearly that character is, is in me because you know, yeah, I am a hambone, and you should have caught my Hamlet. Um, but it was it was just such a wonderful character um, to be allowed to play. And I say this from the bottom of my heart: it has been such a privilege, such a such an honor to play this character that DJ created. Uh, words escape me. I have no, I'm, I'm without words because it has been such a part of my life. And to know that I brought in some small way, some, some happiness of people watching it and they may think it's funny. That does me, uh, I just can't express it. I'm so thankful, so grateful for doing that character. And I don't say that about me. I played a few characters. You've I don't play a couple. Every character I don't, I, I can assure you. <laughs> I, I I'll tackle the first part of that question, and and I don't think I would have had this answer. And we talked about it earlier before we yeah. started the show, but I, I don't think I would have had this answer if I hadn't gone back, semi objectively at this point, to watch the Sardo scenes from the episodes because it's a long time ago. And um, if you would ask me this before I watched those scenes, I would have said, 
know, uh, but it, it has somewhere in the back of my head, it must have been the Wizard of Oz. That I mean, certainly the idea of the of the curio shop—that's something else. Uh, the idea of of, but the idea of this guy who's a flamboyant snake oil salesman. Mm, yeah, and I'm guessing I, I I can't sit here as I'm saying I can't say you know I use the Wizard of Oz as the thing. Yeah, but yeah. but I it sure seems like I might have. <laughs> that that especially that one scene where he's giving away the things. It's like wow, that's that's pretty much. And that even carried through to um, if you saw Oz the Great and Powerful, which was pretty good. With uh, um, who's his face? Uh, <laughs> We're all drawing a play. I know exactly. Uh, who Franco, you're talking about. James, uh, Frank. uh, Franco. Um, James Franco. Oh, okay. Yeah, he played. Yep. It was basically the origin story of how the wizard got to uh, to Oz, and and he's oh. that he's a flamboyant huckster. He's got a magic show that's all phony baloney. So I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe that's where it came from. You know, you never know where inspiration is going to come from, but mm. but it, it makes a whole lot of sense that uh, it may have a kernel of that may have come from from that character, the Wizard of Oz. Mm. the The only other question that I had was, things have changed. Filmmaking has changed. How and coming from Richard, how has filming this character changed from the DJ era and the current era that even though it was very uh, a very short role how different was it to film? I have to tell you the truth <clears throat> not not all that different insofar as again as you just said Alex I mm. I wasn't uh, I wasn't there for a, a long period of time I think I had mm. one full day and, and read through so a day and a half man maybe but on 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 set a day um, but the set, everybody was, it, 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 it's just, are you afraid of the dark sets for me, for my character, were just a place of, uh, of, of such positive energy. Uh, I don't want to sound 60s about it, but it's such, such positive energy on these sets. Cause you know, you're doing it for, in those days, certainly in those days when we were first doing it, certainly for, for younger people. And there's a certain amount of love that you carry through. Because the camera picks that up, I, I believe. This is in mm -hmm. the studio. The mic picks it up, too, I, I believe. Um, but the, the feeling on the set was really one of great positivity. It really was a wonderful set. And that's the way it was in the past. And that's the way it was for my day and a half on the, uh, the reboot. Awesome. I mean, I could say that, that one of the things that um, I have such a fond memory of the whole series was... Um, there were a lot of people who worked on pretty much every episode of that show. Yes. It, it's because it's an anthology. It's, it's unique in that every week there's a new cast. Mm -hmm. um, and now certainly Richard and Aaron Tager were different, but they, but they were only in for one week out of the shooting as well. So, so we all got so close. Um, and there, there's some moving parts here and there, but for the most part, that's why when people say, oh, they rebooted the series in season six. I'm like, yeah, look at the credits. It's all the same people. <laughs> it's all, we're all just, when, when I remember the first meeting we had when season six started, I sat down, I was in Montreal and I sat down with department heads and to quote an old uh, album, I looked around and I just said, welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Ladies and gentlemen, are you afraid of the dark? It was just, we just picked right up uh, with the shorthands. And, and I, I think that vibe did carry through um, 
a lot. I'm glad to hear that it's the same way today with the, with the the reboot that was done recently. Yeah, for me, yeah. I can't speak for Toby. Other people, but to me, sure. it, that's sure. absolutely the way it was. Great. Yeah, feels like a natural extension rather than something entirely separate, which is you know uh, impressive to say to see. Cool. It, um, filmmaking isn't always a fun thing. Yeah. Um, True. And True. It's been my experience that. Well, the only experience I have is shows that I've done, but hearing other people's stories is that the tone is set by the people on the top and, and if they love what they're doing and they love the people they're working with, it trickles down. Yeah. Uh, and if it's a negative situation, that trickles down too. Um, so, so I've always tried to keep sets. It's like, this isn't rocket science here. <laughs> let's just let's just have some fun and do the best we can and enjoy it yeah well said dj uh all right we're gonna move to a couple of quick segments and then we'll wrap up the episode we promise my spidey we- sense is tingling <laughs> <laughs> this or that this or that time to play this or that Okay, so for this round of this or that, um, basically what we're going to do is cover, you know, two different little topics um, that are in the episodes or related to the Sardo episodes we talked about, and you just pick one. And if you want to explain your answer why you picked that one over the other one, you can. If not, that's fine too. We'll just roll through it, each of us. So we'll each we'll each uh, pick our choice for each uh, question. Question one. Carved stone or super specs? Super specs. Super specs. Uh, I'm going to say carved specs. (laughs) (laughs) Super Super stone. (laughs) Super stone. Carved specs. Super specs for sure. Uh, I'm kind of 50 50 on it now after our discussion, but super specs is my go to Sardo episode just because it's the first one and it's got that raw energy of you know richard first finding his way through the character carvestone is no slouch but yeah i don't think one's necessarily better than the other but it's just it's it's the personal flagship yeah yeah and for the reasons we we kind of went over that well that brett just said as well you know it was my first one so it was a certain excitement for me for me Mm -hmm. uh for that episode i really liked the story which i did with carvestone too but i I like the story uh i loved as we were talking about before this you know cgi and all that and you know a bunch of stage hands pushing down this platform (laughs) (laughs) all that was just so much fun (laughs) you know so um uh, yeah i like that and i got to meet dj and uh and ron holliver so i mean what better what better show can i have yeah it was a great start to the series with your role for me it was for sure yeah question two popularity potion or tiny door to the future i am gonna go with popularity potion i'm gonna go with that i i I gotta say door to the future only because that popularity potion has some nasty side effects (laughs) depends on what I wonder how many people in Hollywood took the popularity potion over the future. <laughs> the Beatles took the popularity potion. Yeah, plenty of it. Uh, I would take. I would also take the tiny door to the future. I would as well. I'm kind of curious where I'd end up a couple of years from now, five years, ten years, hopefully better. We'll see. I, the only problem is I can't fit through the door, so we got <laughs> to make a jumbo-sized version that we can use. <laughs> Uh, question three, uh, Sardo with or without a bandana? 
I, I'm going to say with the bandana, only, and which I didn't have in the the reboot as well, but uh, only because it always reminded me, DJ, of um, you know that uh, have it like you know carnivals or whatever back in the day, back in the day, I guess. You know, like, tell your fortune, you put mm-hmm. in a nickel or whatever the hell it was. It always reminded me that Sardo was kind of dressed like that, kind of right. Could have been behind that glass and you know, and uh, passing out that fortune card, right? Would come out. Right, 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 right. Well, I think Zolt, Zoltar. <laughs> Just, just more of that as DJ was talking about, you know, part gypsy, part. I yeah. think for that reason alone, I would say the bandana. I, I, I'm going to say without only because it's for the same reason I pick super specs. It's just it's like that's the uh, the iconic look, mm-hmm. where where the bandana is kind of for all the right reasons is really great. It, and I when watching back to back watching these episodes last night. When the bandana, I forgot about the bandana. I was, it was like, you know, it, it, it jumped out at me a little bit. Because when I think of oh, Sardo, yeah. I don't think of a bandana. Yeah. So that's that was the only reason. But, and, but I like the bandana too. And for me, reverse. And, and for the very same reasons that Richard just had mentioned. So I go with, with bandana. Interesting. Because I go without because that's how I remember him best. <laughs> so we're two yeah. for two there. <laughs> um, question four. Tools of Oblivion or Persian Victory Box? Persian, I, I would say Persian Victory Box. I like that whole concept. I mean, I like them both, but but you know, just it was just interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess I would have to say Persian Victory Box too, but boy, you got to be careful. Yeah, because ultimately, when you think about watching that episode, the 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 conceit was. You're gonna wish something, but the genie's gonna make you pay for it. Mm-hmm. They did a couple of wishes that didn't have to pay. It actually worked. Sardo got a million. Sardo got yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he the what I thought was God. I remember working on the script for so long. It's like how are they gonna get out of this? What's it gonna be? And we finally came up with just wish that it was the day before. Mm-hmm. And and there was no repercussions from that. So it is possible to use that Persian victory box without a negative thing but yeah i wish it was yesterday oh, russian roulette to uh, yeah <laughs> to do it i i would say the tools of oblivion because oh, yeah. there is there are some things i would love to get rid of <laughs> <laughs> yep debt erase oh yeah yeah oh that's a good one for similar reasons i'd also pick tools of oblivion but also i'm an artist so i'm kind of curious like what specifically I can draw before I'd erase it, or even have a reverse version of Tools of Oblivion where I can bring something to life. Like maybe I'll draw a statue and then poof, there's a statue right in front of me in, in the front yard. That that's probably stuck in oblivion. I'd have to fetch that to utilize it. <laughs> um, okay. Number six, Gary or Tucker telling Sardo tales. Gary for me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got, it's, got, it's the same thing. It's the uh it's the origin. It's gotta be Gary. Yeah, same Gary. We're all in agreement. All Gary. Sorry, Sorry I mean, that was that was one of the few moments of Are You Afraid of the Dark where we actually brought Midnight Society out of the campfire, and we saw Gary in his father's magic shop. Yeah, in Super yeah. Specs. That's right. That's right. In Super yeah. Specs. Yeah. Yeah, I always wondered what Gary's father looked like because we never actually saw him, but it made me wonder if there's like some connection to Sardo somehow, like in terms of appearance. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
you never know. <laughs> I wondered as well. <laughs> I know that I I don't see straight lace Gary being the son of Sardo though. It's like uh, it's like a little family ties. To, what was that show with my yeah. yeah, yeah. parents were hippies and the yeah. son was a Republican. <laughs> straight lace gary and his dad is like well i'm losing out of the deal yeah, yeah where do you exactly. get those jeans from <laughs> Grandpa yeah. Jean? clearly his mother clearly clearly yeah, yeah. i was thinking the involved. same thing yeah. yeah and then the final question for this or that uh original generation sardo season six to seven sardo or reboot sardo i think this is a no-brainer for all of us <laughs> season one i mean if you're calling it that yeah i, uh, I think the original yeah yeah original i think they're the same one through seven they're the same it, it evolved and, and mm -hmm. did but that's that's what the beauty of what richard did so much is that's was absolutely consistent nothing happened in any of those episodes that made you bump and go well you wouldn't have done that that's not sorry oh it's, right you know, we, we grew on it but it was again so it's back to me constantly saying six and seven it's just an extension of one through five right yeah, I'd say there's different intensities of Sardo per episode, but at the end of the day, even if he like changes his physical appearance or like goes to more locations, he's still the same character. So, yeah. you know, either way, it could be seen as a trick question. It's Sardo's timeless. You can't pick in that sense. Yeah. And, and, and uh, even though he did evolve, he never did quite get so bad as to say, take the children. <laughs> that was the only time. Whose children? Did I say that out loud? You thought it. Well, that concludes our this or that segment. Um, I just want to read a quick listener letter because surprise, we actually got one in our inbox after Woo! a whole season of crickets. So and gonna, I was so excited about that too. Yeah, yeah, it surprised me today. So I'm going to read it off and then we'll we'll head on out and close up shop for tonight because I'm sure Sardo needs his rest as does DJ. <laughs> um, These are for you. As does DJ. <laughs> um, so here's, here's a letter from Ty Halloween 98 who also goes by Splatgram on Instagram and he actually knows us pretty well. Um, he says, hey, Splat Attack. Congrats on wrapping up season one. It's been a blast listening to you guys discuss Nickelodeon. My personal favorite episode would have to be the Nick takes over your school episode. I just was fascinated listening to all the stories and behind the scenes of what it was like to actually be a winner of that contest. I think it was super interesting for everyone involved. Can't wait to listen to season two coming up here soon and see what you both have up your sleeve. Thanks for all the hard work and dedication that you guys have put into the podcast so far and keeping your listeners entertained. Tyler. Thank, Thank you very you, Tyler. much, Tyler. We that, appreciate that's, that. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always good to hear from our audience whenever we're just pumping out um, episodes. And it's funny that we were talking about this on Are You Fair the Dark? Because in our many conversations, DJ, where you've mentioned, well, we didn't even know if we were going to be re renewed for season two. That's how I feel producing this podcast with Alex. Like we're just giving it our all, see if anyone out there picks up on it. And, you know, we got, we got a small dedicated fan base. We just got to, keep reaching out more and more and it's growing people but we got um, some we got some loyal ones out there you guys are very much appreciated well, yeah, kudos, yeah. Kudos, kudos for that we're kudos. just thankful that we're able to relive the 90s and honor in in the ways mm -hmm. that we can and also have so many wonderful guests including you guys on here so uh, if anything just to learn more about the series that we love because we we, we can't learn enough about all yeah, this so yeah. every single time I, so this is my third time talking with dj and i'm still learning new stuff and it's i i love it i absolutely love it well the thing is you, you never know it's kind of what i said before about when someone asked you a question they, they want to know about 
the answer they want within the mythology of the story or they want to know the behind the scenes thing. So you never really know if, if anyone's really interested in how the sausage is being made. You know, mm. they're fun anecdotes sometimes, but also it's, it could be like, yeah, I don't, don't destroy the illusion. of. of uh, <laughs> That's what fan fiction's for. That's their job. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. But anyways, um, we're going to head out from Soto shop. Um, you know, uh, would you guys like to plug anything before we uh, close up the episode? Not really. I've got a couple of, oh God, I've got a couple of show. I've got a movie and a show in development now that it's just like, it's been going on for, so long <laughs> one of and 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 the, and the show i haven't developed but it's it's on the schedule i'm not going to say where uh, it for 2024 so, oh wow wow that's a long time uh, yeah, oh my god so uh so when I, ask me again in 2024 and i'll <laughs> I, I think we'll be in season seven by then <laughs> yeah, maybe, but it, but it won't be a reboot it'll be i was gonna no, say we'll no. be in a reboot series by then <laughs> yeah, right We'll we'll have a CGI version of us both sitting here in Zoom. <laughs> I'll start I'll start bringing in my children to start uh, oh, carrying geez. on the torch. Yeah, right now it's Junior. Yep. Oh, Sardo, I don't see what my dad sees in you. <laughs> don't start with that, all right? Don't start with that. Exactly. Well, Slimesters and Gakoids, we had a lot of fun here visiting Sardo's Magic Mansion, but we're going to grab our trinkets and head on out. Uh, you can email us at splatattack2021 at gmail.com or direct message us on our Instagram page at Splatattack Podcast. You can also check out the video version of this episode and many more like it on our YouTube page, also at Splatattack Podcast. Um, you know, feel free to reach Richard or DJ on their Instagram page or wherever else they would like to be contacted. Uh, you can support us on Patreon, which we will give you the link to in the description of this episode. You can also support us on Bonfire uh, by buying some shirts and some other products that we got, like Alex is Ooh. wearing here. Spy Attack shirt, very cool. I also yeah. got mine in the mail recently, so I'll be wearing that for next episode. Pretty exciting. And uh, tune in next time as we go from Are You Afraid of the Dark to another well-established universe of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, where we rank every single monster of season one. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be an interesting ride, and hopefully both of us aren't dead by the end of that. <laughs> Massive undertaking. Yeah, but it's it's going to be worth it. It's Might be our be first two-part episode. Might be. <laughs> We're going to have someone special from another podcast who's uh, been with us before help us out. So. Uh, stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, all right, Alex, do you want to close up shop and uh, give Sardo his uh, his money for the trinkets we bought? <laughs> Can do, Shendu. Here's 50 bucks, Mr. Sardo. Keep the change. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> Mr. Rockefeller, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't correct him. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still losing on the deal. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, <laughs> listeners, splat you later. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye, DJ. <laughs> Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. Hard to believe, folks, but it's time to say goodbye. Nighty-night. Hey, check us out next time for more adventure and another great legend of the Hidden Temple. What will we do till then? Chill for a couple. We'll be back. You're on, Nick. And it was time for the superhero to move on. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Oh, bye bye. All right, DJ, I have a non Are You Afraid of the Dark question before we get started. Oh, sure. Blue.